I think that it's about people, perseverance, discipline. You know, always being positive, always being thankful to be able to even do what we have done. She's life. Maybe all in. Give it your full heart. It's just the hero's journey. This is How to Fairy Tale. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the How to Fairy Tale podcast. I'm here with my amazing co host, my wife, Miranda. And we have a very special guest today, Brandon Hunt. Um, just a quick little bit about Brandon Hunt. Well, Brandon is literally, I think, the reason that you and I ended up together because he was your best friend and then he was also my friend. And I think Brandon uh, Brandon used to tell me stories about Paul and I was like, oh my goodness, who is this crazy person? I've got to meet this guy. <laughs> and that's I, how it all started. Yeah, that I, I remember those stories. <laughs> oh, so many. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Appreciate uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I am so glad that uh, my matchmaking worked. Look at that. Hey, <laughs> yeah. it's expert well. matchmaker. Yes, yes, there's two of us, and now plus two more. So, uh, oh my god. It. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Brandon's an amazing guy. A little bit about him. Uh, we got to know each other at Disney World, like Miranda said. He uh, was a performer there, just an amazing performer, put um, his blood, sweat, and tears into everything he did. Uh, if I ever didn't know how to do even one of my own routines, I could ask Brandon, who was a great studier of uh, parades and everything else, and he'd give me hand signs on how to do my own work uh, sometimes because he's just such a, uh, a dedicated person and hard worker. And today he does voice acting, and he's just had a really prolific actually international career performing which has been really cool um brandon one of the things we wanted to ask you about okay mm -hmm. so you when i got to know you was at disney world in, in orlando florida yep. Yep. Um, but you left there at one point and went to hong kong yep. and uh worked at disney there and then you even now do voice acting and you're working on a video game right now where, where you are writing the script mm -hmm. tell me with all this cool stuff, it can be really hard, at least for me, to leave one thing to go to the next. Disney World is such a fun experience. Do you have a strategy on, on like, hey, I know where I'm going next, or here's my next dream. Here's how I kind of work everything to make sure I can achieve that. Do you have a strategy, or are you just lucky all the time? Um, I, no, it's not. It's, it's luck. Yes. In life, um, I, to answer your question, no. I am playing it by the seat of my pants every freaking day. Um, but I think it, Bo Burnham actually said it perfectly one time. He's like, you know, you can, you can train, you can work hard, you can do everything right and still not succeed all the time. Um, he's like, you, you need luck sometimes you need a lot of luck, but the luck really comes when it's people say it all the time. Um, opportunity, you know, it only knocks so many times, but you have to be hmm. ready. You have to be ready when opportunity hmm. knocks. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of people sit around and they, you know, they like to wait and we all do. We want to wait till things are perfect. We want to wait till things are ready. We want to wait till we're ready. But, you know, they, as they say, when you, if you wait all the time, when you're ready, you're never going to be ready. You always have to just do it. Sometimes, sometimes you feel like, Oh, only if once I get to this point, I'll be ready. Once I get hmm. to, you know, this milestone or you know chasing the carrot so to speak but you'll always be chasing the carrot and you'll never be ready as you think you are um, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you you always have to be just seizing any opportunity you can so when it comes to you know leaving one performing job and going to another and, and doing all these different things you know you're presented with the situation and you could say like oh i'm not really ready for that yet so i'll just hold off but that opportunity may never knock again so you have mm -hmm. to just 
seize it full heartedly and go, I guess I'll figure this out. But that's where Mm. you have to rely on your training. You have to rely Mm -hmm. on your gut instincts. You have to rely on, hey, no, no, I've prepared for this. I'm ready for this. I may not feel it, but the opportunity is here and I'm going to capitalize. If it Mm. pans out, it pans out. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But at least you tried. And that's kind of just my mantra is, Mm. I'll try it. Let's go. Like, I'm going to wing it by the seat of my pants. But everyone starts somewhere. So... Mm -hmm. Huh. Like I'm directing my first video game, like fully being the full director. So like, wow, that's yeah, let's go. Let's do it. I've, I've trained for it. I've worked for it. I know how it's done. So, you know, it's everyone has to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, same thing with performing at Disney. Like this, uh, I was 18. I remember I was, you know, just I had I went to school for acting and directing. And I remember I was it's my very first professional performing job was mm-hmm. getting hired on with the Disney company and I didn't know what I was doing. I remember I had asked my sister who was a professional dancer at the time like, "Hey, how do you how do you do a jazz square?" And <laughs> and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "I need to know how to do a jazz square." And <laughs> and I did it. And then now I do now I can do a jazz square in my sleep and like, you know, <laughs> I performed in you know, musicals and and all around the world and stuff. And mm-hmm. so like, it's crazy. You start from like, how do you, how do you do a jazz square to turning to someone and being like, yeah, it's easy. It's simple. Five, six, seven, eight, here we go. And then you're doing it and you're, you're performing, you know, with the Walt Disney company in front of thousands of people mm-hmm. every night. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, you, you know, you just gotta, gotta jump into it. So to answer your question in a long form, I have no idea what I'm doing every day. <laughs> but I, I just go. I just seize every opportunity and say, "Yep, mm-hmm. figure it out. Let's go." You said something really interesting. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I, I love kind of that casual attitude about it because I think one thing that's come up a lot with the people that we've interviewed is their perception of risk is a lot lower than most people's and they're not afraid for something not to work out. Um, And I think that's so interesting, but I also know you and I know that you do everything that you do with excellence. So where's the balance? Like, how do you balance that? Um, All right, here's the opportunity. I'm just going to go for it, even though I don't even know what a jazz square is with doing something with excellence. Um, I think it's something and um, it's something I think I was instilled as a, as a kid through my parents, through my mentors, through a lot of people in my life is w- if you're going to do something, mm-hmm. don't do it half halfway. Mm-hmm. Put your whole heart into it and and go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of been my mantra my whole life is just go for it. Mm-hmm. Just just do it. Like don't hold back. Because if you hold back and it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you're going to live in that, oh, maybe I could have just done this a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I would have just done that, then maybe you're living in that maybe. And you don't mm-hmm. want to live in a maybe. You want to live in your truth. And so you got to kind of, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but I mean, we're talking about fairy tales. It, mm-hmm. You just got to go all out. And mm-hmm. if you go all out and it doesn't pan out, that's okay. But mm-hmm. you gave it your all, you did it, and at the end of the day, you can be like, yes, that wasn't for me. And you can keep moving on. Or you can simply say, ah, I see my mistake. I can see where I can get better. And, you know, to use that as an example, 
I auditioned. I didn't make my first audition to Disney World. Fun fact. Mm. I don't know if many people know that. I did not know that. I didn't know I, that either. That your, is so shocking because you're yeah, like, like the ideal Disney person. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know that. You're what um, casting probably would, you know, put up on the poster of like, we are looking for Brandon. I, thank you. I, I went and I remember I went on a whim and I was like, oh, this will be fun. My sister and my professor drove me up to Salt Lake City. Um, that was the closest audition we had. Um, and From Arizona, so, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was living in Phoenix. And so the closest place was Salt Lake City. So um, my sister and my professor, they drove me up to the audition. Um, we we literally drove. We got there. Um, was it? We drove, we drove all night. Got there. I did the audition in the morning. They slept in the car. I did the audition. And then they drove, and then we drove back that night. Like that's kind of, that was the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but, uh, when we, when we were doing that, I was like, I was super nervous. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, yeah, it'll be a whim. It'll be fun. Got there, did it. I made it towards the end. And I remember the casting directors, they were like, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming (laughs) out. And I was like, ah, cool. I can, I understand rejection. It's fine. (laughs) Um, but it was really nice one of them actually pulled me aside um and they were like hey great job um you still kind of need some work um but we appreciate you coming out and they kept people like they are that was like the not the final cut it was still people were still Mm -hmm. in the room but they pulled me Mm -hmm. aside they said great job but you know we can understand maybe performing is not for everyone but you still need some work (laughs) and i was like you know, you're kind of salt and wound, but it's fine. Thank you so yeah. much. Appreciate it. Left knowing I didn't get it and mm. drove back. I was kind of, I was kind of hurt, but, but I said, look, I did that kind of half-heartedly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's expected. That's expected mm-hmm. to, to not, to not be ready. So I said, fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So it's kind of like the, the spitefulness in me. I gave it six months. Cause at that time you had mm-hmm. to wait six months. And so mm-hmm. then I was like, cool. So I, I was in college at the time. So I went to my d- college um, professor for theater and directing. And I was like, hey, told him the whole situation. And he goes, great. Um, he gave me a couple books. He gave me some video monologues like on tape to watch. He's like, mm-hmm. you're going to just watch Charlie Chaplin. Mm-hmm. He's like, I want wow. you to study Charlie Chaplin for f- everything he's done. So I've seen every mm-hmm. piece of media Charlie Chaplin has ever done. And I became just infatuated with the man. And he's like, okay, so that's what you're going to do. And he's like, and then I recommend you go over to the dance department and you do dance. So mm-hmm. I took three different dance classes. Then I went to um, our friend who was a dietitian at the time, started working out. I'm a very slender person, but at the time I was even more slender. And mm-hmm. he was like, you need to kind of have a, a look. You know, and so mm-hmm. I did did all of that in six months, and I went back. And Is that got, when you got your amazing hair too? Was in that six months? Yeah. So okay. So my hair before that, <laughs> my hair before that, my hair before that was like, oh god, y'all remember? I kept it. I kept it for all high school. Y'all remember that? This, he's a pretty low standing actor, uh, Zac Efron. Um, I don't, I, I don't think I don't think many people know him. It's Zac Efron. Um, oh, wow. He, he kind of did this small like indie film called High School Musical. 
and um, indie film. <laughs> he had this like this like sweeping hair and i had that all of high school i didn't i kept it i said that's my personality and i kept i had it when i went and i was like clearly that's not disney look so i i changed it and yes that's when i changed my hairstyle and um but i did all of that and i went back and i got the job and i was mm. i was so proud of myself that i i was like okay so this is how this is how it works you got to go all out. There's no blocking. There's no mm -hmm. marking. There's no nothing. It's it's all out or nothing. Mm -hmm. So I kind of kept that mantra throughout everything I've done from, That's you know, so Disney to equity with, you know, when me and Paul did equity stuff is, you know, that's how I got into that. Then moved to the, you know, performing with Hong Kong, then, you know, out in Japan. And then now with, you know, voice acting and everything mm -hmm. like that, it's... It's you don't do it wholeheartedly or don't do it at all. Hmm. Yeah, I think the the big takeaway from that is you don't have to be an expert to be excellent. Um, and I think another big takeaway is that six months that you invested um, and watched all those videos, took the dance classes, you know, got the amazing hair, that six <laughs> months probably changed the trajectory of your entire life. And so I'm sure at the time it felt like you were just you know, working so hard, crunching, um, doing all the things. But I wonder what your life would have looked like if you hadn't done that, you know, and it, it was a six month crazy investment that probably has paid off and allowed you to do all the really cool and amazing things that you've gotten to do. It, it really is. And um, I, it's, it's a, another quote I always love is I always see floating, floating around on the social medias, but like it's the six months of hard work can put you five mm. years ahead. Mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it and i was like i live that i know that quote yes that is so yeah. true mm -hmm. truly mm -hmm. investing in yourself and i am yeah. a big advocate for investing in yourself you mm -hmm. can you know you can invest your time and energy in other people and in other things and your interests but the true benefit will be investing back into yourself mm -hmm. will be it will put you light years ahead more mm -hmm. than you think you know like Oh, I have to take this month off to really study this, you know, song I want to learn or, you mm -hmm. know, how, how to manage a business. Like if you're managing, mm -hmm. you know, your own business and you take a month of finance classes or something, mm -hmm. or you really study with a mentor on how to play guitar or whatever it may be, not everyone's going to do that. Some people want mm -hmm. the easy route. Some people want the cheap route, the quick route, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. But if you invest and put in the time and work, you don't understand the the seeds you're planting for the future for you to harvest. And hmm. so I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. Yeah. And I, I completely yeah. agree. Is that six months without it, I wouldn't be where I am today. And little, if I could look a little 18-year-old, skinny, long-haired Brandon and say, hey, you're doing great, kid. Keep it up. I would mm -hmm. because I, I'm so appreciative of that six months. Hmm. Because back then, I, I thought I was like failing. I was like, oh, God. Hmm. Okay, I guess I'll do this. But looking mm. back at it now, I'm so glad I did. Yeah. You know what I think is so wild about that story too, Brandon? I, I never heard that that you didn't make it the first time. At least I, I never I knew that either. That. Yeah. Um, I think what, what we do, at least I do this, is if you hit stopped, so you go the one time, mm -hmm. you don't make it. And and let's just even say you weren't, you didn't let it destroy your life. You just kind of went and did something different. But instead, you said, no, I'm going to 
double down, double down on on this Mm -hmm. and do it. What that teaches people, this is something I was talking to a lady who had helped commercialize several uh, vaccines in the world the other day. Uh, Her name is Dr. Allegria. And what she was saying is, is the first time she tasted some success based on her hard work and that she overcame a huge obstacle, it was kind of like this unlocked something in her head where she was like, now, wait a minute. I didn't let that obstacle beat me and I could have what else am I able to do? Mm-hmm. It's like, until you have that experience, you're like, oh, I can't do that. And then that becomes their way of life. It's like, I can't do this. I can't do that. And you kind of get forced and pushed by life. But because you were like, no, I overcame that thing. Now you, I imagine you, part of your subconscious was like, well, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what and, else have I been missing? And how do you tackle the next obstacle? You know, I don't know if you can think of like, what was the next? So you had that audition where they said, basically performing's not for you. You doubled down for six months. You changed everything. You learned all that you could and you went back to Disney. And then I don't know if you can remember, like, do you, can you think of whatever the next big obstacle that you had to face was? And, you know, did it seem as hard to overcome as the first one? And I just wonder how, conquering that first thing affected how you conquered everything else that came up in your way. Yeah, I've actually had, I was talking to my parents about this um, the other day. We all were out at dinner and it kind of got brought up again. And um, I've had many, many, many points in my life. And I think a lot of people do is Mm -hmm. those points in your life when you look at it and you go like this, this is one of those moments. Like this Mm is a, you know, one of the, you know, the, the valleys when you know how life is always those hills those climbs those valleys mm-hmm. and you're climbing that hill and you understand that like the rock is getting really slippery right now and I, I could fall and I could just this could be the you know this could be me giving up but it's like mm-hmm. one of those testing trial periods I've had many mm-hmm. moments of like clear distinct that was a breakout My, when I overcame that everything changed I had that mm-hmm. many times first one with with the the first audition and i would say the next time after that i mean you know disney's fun and it's it's all you know everyone knows disney's brand and everything that it is but mm-hmm. there was um when everything changed was uh, i got equity and mm-hmm. so it was kind of this really surreal moment is again the casting directors they when they called and they told me i was being moved up to the equity realm they said they said something that will always stick with me they are like this. Things are about to change. You can no longer do what you normally did. They're like, this is the big times. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, you you got it. I will I will work harder. And I remember that whole process. We had to. There's this um, Disney released a really small film called uh, Frozen, and it was <laughs> we did this um, kind of this like live event. It was the first time they were bringing Frozen live to the stage. And I remember I got hired on to do this small character, Kristoff. And we were, you know, doing equity, you know, stage show and everything like that. And I, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And looking back on it now, it's hard to imagine it being rough because I did it for so long after that. But I remember the director pulled me aside and he was like, do do you just want to go home? And I was like, why, why do I, no, I'm having fun. Like what's going on? He's like, ah, what you're doing is not working. And I was like, okay, how do I fix this? He goes, he's like, why am I going to tell you're the actor, you figure it out. And I was like, okay, okay. You, you got it. Yep. Not the best directing, but it's okay. It's, it was a test. It was, it was his way of directing. And I, I took that and I went, okay. 
you got it. And I, I went home. I had a week. I had one week before the show kind of premiered. And I remember I kind of just went home and I studied. I, I, I got my phone and I would record myself speaking and talking. That's kind of where my voiceover stuff started is. And then I started practicing and doing the voice and having the, the acting energy, the stage presence you needed for that kind of level of a show. And came the exact approval run and we did it. And they pulled me off to the side and they said, that was fantastic. That was great. Where has that been the whole time? And then it kind wow. of unlocked another thing in my head that went, okay, new level achievement, like a video game, level mm -hmm. unlocked and, you know, achievement unlocked. Great, cool, leveled up. Okay, mm -hmm. great. And so then I kept my, and then I had to elevate my performance always to be at that level. And then it just, mm -hmm. and it moved up again when I went to Hong Kong, same kind of thing, is now performing for a new international audience. What yeah. I was doing before for a Western audience wasn't working. So I needed mm -hmm. to transition my performance. Same thing mm -hmm. when I went to Japan. I had to, I was in a stunt show um, for the, uh, the um, parts of the Caribbean franchise. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's a whole nother level. That is stunts mm -hmm. and realistic and flames and sword fighting and not what I do. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> okay, but I, it's all in Japanese. And so you have to, do a whole new level of, and that was really tough and hmm. so breaking out of that and elevating my performance to be that way really each time I was like this is really rough and I thought about quitting I was like I don't know if I can do this everything I have always relied on as that has brought me here is not working I need hmm. to I need to adapt I need to change I need to be an actor I need to grow um hmm. and so I did and you know and then transitioning from that into voiceover it's a whole nother beast and mm -hmm. so i'm in one of those periods right now i think is just like you hit that growth you hit that ceiling to where you need to either break through that ceiling or you're you're going to be mm -hmm. capped so i'm hmm. trying to uh, do that as well now in my life so yeah you know you know what i think is so fascinating about your story brandon is you've been um, I mean, you and I have been friends for a long time and I haven't heard several pieces of your story. Like this is literally the first time I'm hearing a little more of the back story, but even with what I haven't heard, it would be easy if, if you, if you know, if you meet Brandon at Disney world, like I did at first, you see it, it, he, he was, he was given lots of amazing parts. And I was like, man, he gets to do this in Christmas and he gets to do this. And it would be easy to say, and I remember when you went to Hong Kong and I remember when you got equity, it would be easy to say man, you know, Brandon, like, wow, he's, he's, he's kind of getting lucky or whatever. But what I always knew is I would see you, uh, after work, I would get, cause I lived with you. I would get to see you before. And I didn't even hear some of this, but I, I would be like, Brandon is the person that is always willing to do two things. He's always willing to work hard. He's mm -hmm. always willing to pay attention to the details to try to figure it out. And everyone else maybe gets to see the reward that you got mm -hmm. for that. But I think it, I'm like, this guy's not getting lucky. He is like really, really working hard. And he's in a lot of places doing a lot of things. And he has those lucky breaks. And like you said, you were ready for them. And I got to see that firsthand. And then I think the other thing I saw that you did, Brandon, that very few people, particularly in performing, but in a lot of areas weren't willing to do, even though you had success, every time someone gave you a note, I mean, I saw directors mm -hmm. come down on us. Um, several times you were like, Oh, give me more. What, what else can I do? And you would, you'd pull them aside. Be like, I'm mm. sorry. I messed it up. What else can I do differently? 
and the rest of us were off taking a break. And I would see you over there talking to someone about how you can improve, how you could do better. And you didn't care who it was. Anyone who was willing to tell you what to change, you were always like, thank you for that advice. And I remember you talked to your professor. I remember you talking to Randy and other cast and directors about what you could do differently. And I think it's so cool that you were willing to. That's that humility. Every single person we've talked to has had an abundance of humility. And that's that coming through again. Yeah. And you've always seemed to have that. Mm -hmm. where, where did you get that? How did you develop that? And how do we, how do we use that in our favor to like, you know, get through life like you did? That's a really good question. I wish I knew the moment, like where I, it was instilled in me. I would like to say my parents, um, but I think it's a lot of like my family dynamic is my family's very real and they're very honest. So mm -hmm. like having that sense of, you know, you do something. And my parents have always, always, always supported everything I've done. But my dad and mom always said, you know, do it, do it all out. And mm. if you if if you don't, then you can't really complain when it doesn't work out. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it started, knowing it's all out. But I think it was kind of having. I've always had this, and it sounds so so. I'm sorry if it gets somber, but like. Growing up, I was not the popular kid. I was bullied. I was, I was, you know, suffered a lot from that. I was the odd man out a lot hmm. of the time. So I had to become self-aware to like a fault. Like I was always conscious about what I was doing, how I looked, hmm. what I was saying, how people perceived it. And I was always had to be honest with myself and, hmm. and true of like, it's just the harsh reality of life. And so I realized, oh, wow, I am very self-aware. I, and I am not the ish or I am not the, I'm not hot stuff. I am a normal person, but I have seen normal people do extraordinary things in my life. I hmm. want to be like that because normal people aren't, people aren't gods. People aren't Titans. People aren't these mythological uh, deities that we, you know, hold on pedestals and stories and stuff. When mm -hmm. you think about it, like even the, the fable of King Arthur, he mm -hmm. was, he was a guy who had a shiny sword, like, and, you know, united people, <laughs> you know, Alexander mm -hmm. the Great, even though, you know, hey, yes, that maybe not the best things he's done, but he did great things in his time. You know, well, mm -hmm. this, he was, a he was a guy, he was just a, his family was not rich. He did not have a lot of success. He failed a lot. Mm -hmm. But he he went for it and he believed in what he could do. And he always tried to do better and always had his, hey, what do you guys think about this? And let me try something new. That didn't work. Let me try something new. And he always put his all into it. You know, Steve mm -hmm. Jobs, all these people who were just people, you know, Bill Gates, you, you know, we all know their stories, but they started as just normal people. Mm -hmm. And so seeing that in my life and going, well, I'm just a normal person. I'm not mm -hmm. that great, but I can be if I learn because I'm willing mm -hmm. to, willing to, that's it. You have to mm -hmm. be willing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I find when they, when they say things or they get, I'm such a big advocate for, you know, encouragement. And like, you mm -hmm. got this, like, I'll be your biggest cheerleader. Like, mm -hmm. I want to see you succeed. And if you don't want to do it anymore, that's great. But do it on your own volition. Mm -hmm. Like, is, I guess it's just kind of, you have to be your own cheerleader at times too. Mm -hmm. And so I see when people are like, I'm no good. 
I can't do it. I want to just be like that, like Edna mode, like pull yourself together. Like, <laughs> no, you can, you can do it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's from my own personal experiences, my own mountains, my own Goliath, mm-hmm. like my own David and Goliath kind of like thing that I've done is it's, it's possible. My mountains may be different than yours, but they're all climbable and you can always get mm-hmm. to the top. You mm-hmm. just got to, st- it just starts with one step. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I'm so, such a big advocate for that. I wish I knew where it got installed. Um, if I could find the, the coded copy in my, like. My, it was an upgrade. I, it was an iOS upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I would love to talk to the developer that installed Update it. Update number seven. Um, yeah. But. Killed the but battery, no. but it was all good. I don't know where it that's started, true. but I can say that it, my self-awareness and my humility came from somber roots of being bullied mm-hmm. and being mm-hmm. told I was never good enough. Hmm. And then having to believe in yourself by looking at inspirations in your life and going, no, I am because they did it. If they could do mm-hmm. it, I can do it. And it's just kind of that mentality. Huh. Was there like one defining moment? Say you were bullied. What was the point at which you said enough? Like I am not, because I think when people are bullied, it can go a couple different directions. Either they become the bully or they stay the victim or they overcome it. And so what was the point where you said, I am done with this. I'm going to overcome this. My, my basketball coach, um, Mm -hmm. it was, I realized I was good at sports and Mm -hmm. I was very athletic. Um, very, very fast. I, was, I did track, I did basketball, I did football. Um, and it was my basketball coach, my very first team I made. I was not the best player by any means. The, I, could, I could not sink about, I was tall. I, I hit a growth spurt, I was tall and I was fast. That was mm. it. I couldn't shoot the basketball, I couldn't do anything. But I made the team and mm. I got bullied for it. I got severely bullied for it because people didn't believe I was good enough to be on the team. And I, I went to my basketball coach and I said, look, coach, like, I can't handle this. Like, I don't, I'm here. They're right. I'm not good enough to be on the team. And he goes, you know, you're, you're right. You're not, you, by all definition, you should not be on the team. He's like, but you work hard. He's like, you ran the hardest. You didn't give up. You worked harder than anyone at the audition because you knew you weren't good. He's like, and that's why you made it. Because you can always become better. He's like, people who have always been good never know what hard work really means. Hmm. So so he's like, so he's like, I know we're going to get you better and you're going to get better at basketball because I know you're going to work hard at it and I will make you work hard. He's like, but you made it because your, your work ethic and your dedication to it was better than everyone slacking off and just knowing that they're good at shooting basketballs. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I did. I eventually, you know, I made the team all three years and um, I went on into high school to make, you know, varsity football and did all these things. People would look at me and be like, that's a, that's a skinny boy. That's a, that's, that guy is not going to be great at football or, you know, any, he, maybe he can run fast, but that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but I, I knew that was the case, but I believed in my work ethic and I believed in myself and knew Mm -hmm. that they're right. I, I, that is just my personality is I'm going to work hard. Um, Mm. because I don't think whenever I start something new, I know I'm not good at it or I believe I'm not good at it. And so Mm. I have to get good, like it's that get good or quit, um, kind of thing. And so I've had many people in my life that have kind of hit those milestones of 
kind of showing you what you really like almost like a mirror like that was the mm. first mirror moment of not gonna let the bullies tell me i'm bad and then sit in my sulky somber life mm. it was kind of mm. like oh maybe they're doing that because they're mad they didn't make it maybe they're just projecting on me mm-hmm. um, and so that's how i took it from then on out but it was him it was my basketball coach um john carlos Sapelli. um mm. he mm. yeah he kind of that he told me the rea- reality of it he was like yeah, i'm going to be real with you you know and he was and but I, that's what i appreciated and that's where that started you, you know what's so interesting is you've told me uh you know before that vince papali yeah, is one of your heroes him. love him and and we got to interview him for our first episode and he his story as you know which would make sense i kind of understand now yeah. is is kind of similar in the sense he had a lot of adversity he was younger it wasn't so much bullying but you know he had some his mom had a lot of mental health issues and yeah. that caused a lot of people to say things about his family and for him to feel them at the very least and when he got to sports one of the things he was just freaking awesome at was he was really dang fast yeah. and he wasn't the best most gifted football player he wasn't any of those things Yet he ends up playing professional football because more or less his coach on uh, the Eagles told him the same thing. He's like, he, he, I remember uh, in his book, he said, the coach said, I want you all to work as hard as Vince. And he's talking to the pros, been playing some of them, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. Yeah. And they're pointing to this rookie and like work as hard as him. And he makes the team basically because of his brute hard work. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that makes sense why Brandon, you, you look up to him because that's an, an attribute that you were like, I am fast and I can work hard. Yeah, and that's, that's it. Uh, that's all I had. Yeah. And, you know, sadly, I, you know, suffered some serious injuries that forced me to quit sports and move towards acting. But, but yeah, Vince, that's, you know, like I told you before, Bali, I wore his number in, in high school because, mm-hmm. because right. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's all I really had going for me in sports is I could work hard and I was fast and I can learn how to catch a ball or I can learn how to shoot a basket. I can do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have to, you have to know what your strengths are and know what your weaknesses are. It's like, I know I'm going to work hard and I know I will give it my all. Um, mm. And I have no, I have no fear of failing because if I fail, that's, you know, that's only, that's where, you know, coaches and, you know, that kind of mentality is. If you fail, it's not like over. It's not like a mm-hmm. video, even in video games, if you fail, it's like, try again. That's <laughs> like, like very yeah. few games, you know, roguelike games. Yeah, you have to start back at the beginning. But like most games, it's like you die or you, you perish or however, you know, the game is. You try again. It's like, okay, cool. Here you go. Try again. Like mm-hmm. it's the same kind of thing in life is like you fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. You failed. Brush yourself off. Get back up and go try again. But so, mm-hmm. excuse me, so many people have such a fear of failing. And I did as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. all do. But it's harnessing that fear and facing it and going, what am I really afraid of? Embarrassing mm-hmm. myself? Am I really afraid of, oh, okay, what are people going to think? People are mm-hmm. going to think what they're going to think no matter what. So mm-hmm. really, the only thing holding you back is you. So mm-hmm. when you kind of look at it that way, you're like, okay, if I fail, the worst thing that can happen is they can say, sorry, kid, it's not for you. And I've already heard that. I hear that every day in my job like auditioning as a voice actor. Like I, you know, 1% is the average booking rate of professional voice actors. Mm. So you're going to hear a lot of, you're going to hear a lot of no's every single day, but it's not like you're a bad actor. It's just Mm -hmm. like, sorry, kid, this isn't the, this isn't, this role is not for you. Mm -hmm. Great. I'll keep trying. 
I'll keep trying mm-hmm. until that role, they'll like get my role until I get that one that's for me. Same mm-hmm. thing in life, same thing in all the other aspects is that's how I've always been. So it's kind of nice that my job now is just kind of like what I've been prepping for <laughs> my whole mm-hmm. life. Right. Um, You're used to hearing the nose. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm used to hearing nose all my life. So it's all right. I'm not, I'm not hurt by it. It just mm-hmm. makes me go, all right, well, what can I do more? Like I need to do more. Mm-hmm. I need to work harder. I need to take more classes. I need to, you know, meet with more directors or more casting directors or whoever and learn from them. More more pros. Mm-hmm. Like every week I have a class with a pro that we all look mm-hmm. up to or we all know from our childhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, I sit with them and I, I take their class and I listen to their notes and I apply it to mine. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it's the, it's that drive. It's that um, what you kind of said, Paul, is like, you know your strengths. I can do this and this. Everything else I can learn. That's mm-hmm. This is what I bring to the table. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them is, is just, yeah, my I will work harder than any... I guarantee you, I, I will work harder. If someone's working harder than me, means I got to work harder. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's my strength. That's I, that's why I know yeah. I'm better. Yeah. If, if I... You want to go back to something you said earlier. This is a little bit of a left turn, but it's interesting to hear you when, you know, you, you say, you know, I was bullied when I was younger because a lot of people won't know this. And this is maybe interesting to hear is we know from working at Disney world, particularly entertainment department with a lot of other amazing performers, we're talking really, um, you know, talented people that have, that are good dancers. They're good actors. They're good looking, they're in shape and they have all this like kind of stuff. They seem like they have it all, but then you start to learn that disproportionately, at least in my experience, a lot of people that work there have had some really tough times in their life, like really tough times. Yeah. What, what do you think? I'd just be interested to hear. And I've never asked you this before. Is there something about Disney that's attracting them? Is it something about a fairy tale that's attracting people? Why is there a disproportionate amount of people that particularly in the entertainment department that are look like they have it all together that have kind of escaped that and come somewhere where they can kind of leave their pretty rough past behind. I mean, sometimes really rough. I think it's I think it's due to the fact that well, at least for me and my family, Disney has always been an escapism for us. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was it was my life growing up, man. I I ran the DVDs and, and not DVDs VHSs. My gosh, I ran the VHSs to the bone, like ruined the film on some of them because I would watch them. <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it was for me, it was three films that I watched oh and I still watch them to this day over and over and over and they're all very very similar films is the it's Aladdin it's Hercules and it's Mulan hmm. each, wow. one, each one of those I am just obsessed with and they're they're some of my favorite characters and and Disney movies due to the hmm. fact that each hero in that or protagonist in that story they did not they came from kind of just average lives. They mm-hmm. Aladdin being the beggar thief, Hercules, he he has great potential, but he seems he's bullied. He's he's kind of downtrodden. He doesn't know where he's he belongs. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Um, and Mulan is, you know, she's trying to prove herself. She's trying to prove that mm-hmm. she can do what everyone else can do that everyone's telling her she can't. She can do it. Yeah. So each one of those I would watch all the time. And it was like an escape for me. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think, you know, getting to go to Disneyland as a kid, it was just so magical for so many different reasons. But I think a lot of those people that, you know, flocked to Disney and even the ones that, you know, currently work there as well, 
and all of our friends, we all connected to those moments where we saw ourselves in those characters. We saw ourselves mm -hmm. in those stories. Um, and we all wish that we can make those stories a reality. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of people try to subconsciously make that when they when they move to Disney. And I've, I've heard that from a lot of people, whereas this character resonated with them or this movie, mm -hmm. this, this show, sometimes even shows. Like mm -hmm. I went, you know, I remember Disneyland's 50th anniversary was my first like real, like conscious awakening to the Disney parks. It was um, mm -hmm. Julie Andrews did the fireworks show. And wow. it was, and she did, and it was, you know, her, her saying, good evening, this is Julie Andrews. 50 years ago, a wow. wonderful man wow. named Walt Disney, and she kind of tells the story. And it kind of was mm -hmm. like, wow, like that was me going, this, this all started from one guy. And it was kind of, I was 12. I think I was 12 years old when hmm. this happened. And it was just this big conscious awakening of what can really happen. Um, and from then on out, I was like, I need to work here. I need to do something with Disney. And mm. um, so, yeah, it's, it's, that's kind of like for me is I think so many people that have, and still true to this day, I mean, we experienced it in our jobs all the time, guys, is when we would meet guests or when we would meet mm -hmm. people after shows and they had, and they would, we would hear these, you know, heartbreaking stories, but the joy in these kids and these people's faces when they came to the place, that's kind of, I think, what drew, draws everyone there. And I think that mm. just fairy tales in general, like mm -hmm. do that to people it's the you know fairy tales don't exist to tell us dragons are real they exist to tell mm -hmm. us the dragon can be defeated like mm -hmm. those kind of stories really like hit home for so many people that mm -hmm. maybe they're not the best or the most successful or have the best life but they mm -hmm. dream of a better one and so that's mm -hmm. where they that's where they find the inspiration mm -hmm. yeah i i think that is so interesting and if you look at fairy tales from a scientific perspective, there's a lot of research out there that actually says that the Cinderella story arc of um, coming from nothing, you know, the rags to riches, kind of overcoming things, it's the most beloved story of all time. And people just latch onto that. And I, I think that's so interesting that that's actually a researched phenomenon. Um, but I also think that your story just so beautifully captures what we wanted to do with this podcast. And that's, you know, somebody who is an ordinary, like you said, normal person who's really living their dreams and doing what they wanted to do. Um, and also, I think people have this idea of fairy tales of like, you know, you watch Cinderella or, or the movies and a lot of parts get skipped over and it seems like, oh, they started from nothing and then bam, within an hour, happily ever after, blah, 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 done. Yeah. And so I think people dismiss fairy tales a lot thinking like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I can't actually, you know, reach my goals, reach my dreams, things like that. Um, but I think you latched onto something and you have to fight for the fairy tale. It's a fight. And I think that that's one thing that we are so passionate about is you can get your dreams and get to your happy ever after, you know, whatever, what that looks like. Um, but it's, it doesn't just happen while you're frolicking through the meadow, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. as Disney would have you assume it's a fight, you know? And like you said, like there are dragons and, um, you know, and that stuff is real. Like that is your real life is overcoming obstacles and challenges. And it's fighting for the fairy tale. Fairy tales are a battlefield. And I think, um, they so often get dismissed as something else. And I, I think your story just really beautifully captures that. Thank you. And you're exactly right is they are. And, and I think a lot of people use, and, you, and it's not a problem because it actually is, it's one of the most popular stories of all time, Cinderella. Mm -hmm. Like for mm -hmm. me, the true classic, Cinderella is, is on 
beautiful story and it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But like for me, when I think of fairy tale or when I think of my own fairy tale or any kind of what's, you know, if you were to say what's a true fairy tale to you, Brennan, it would be the the story of Sleeping Beauty. But from Paul called it, he literally just called it. He was like, it's going to be Sleeping Beauty. I muted it and told her Sleeping Beauty. (laughs) Yeah. So it's it's Sleeping Beauty from the perspective of Prince Philip, Hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, as beautiful and wonderful as Aurora is. Mm-hmm. Girl has only a couple minutes of screen time and doesn't really do much there at the home. But Prince Philip, here you have, yes, that boy did mm-hmm. not come from rags. Yes, he was mm-hmm. Prince, he did his whole thing. But he was kind of an outcast with mm-hmm. his family. He he did mm-hmm. not think the same as his family. He wanted to be different. And he did not want the to assume the roles that they were trying to put onto him. He wanted his own life. And so he went out and kind of found it, you know, obviously mm-hmm. metaphorically through the forest, but um, he kind of just was on his own, found his dream of what he wanted. He he needed, he wanted to, and found his dream, which, yes, happened to be a woman. I know uh, sometimes people don't see that as like their own end goal. Mm-hmm. But in his, in this metaphoric time, he found his dream, his goal. Mm-hmm. And that dream put him through a lot of hardships. He, mm-hmm. got, he got locked up. He fought, fought so many different, you know, demons internally, externally, dragons, thorn forest, fire. And he went through all of that and mm-hmm. he had aid from friends. Like that's for me was the big thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you don't have to do it alone. So mm-hmm. many people think mm-hmm. their story and fairy tales have to be alone. You mm-hmm. meet these wonderful, magical, beautiful people in your life, like you guys included, that help you. They, mm-hmm. you know, they give you boons. They give you aid. They help you through your journey, mm-hmm. like Philip had, and then they get you through the dragons and through the thorn forests. So that way, when you get to your dream, they're a part of it mm-hmm. with you as well at the end. And so, like for me, that's how I always imagine the fairy tales. Is mm-hmm. it's no, it's not frolicking in a field and balls and and, mm-hmm. and beautiful pumpkins and fairy godmothers. Mm-hmm. Yet that is fairy tales. That is some people's fairy tales. But for me, the realistic fairy tale um, Mm -hmm. is like Sleeping Beauty, like Tangled, like, you know, Moana, like those, Mm -hmm. you know, those movies have such hardships and such trials and tribulations you have to go through. But it's all worth it in the end. But Mm -hmm. you can't give up in the fight. You have to keep Mm -hmm. going and you Mm -hmm. have to hold on to what you're actually going for. So, Mm -hmm. man, that's perfect. And and you know what? what I think it's really true, Brandon, that you live that piece where you said you don't have to do it alone. And I think it's really cool because, <clears throat> as I said in the beginning, I remember being at Disney World. There was this one point where uh, I'm, uh, I'm friends with, as we would say then, uh, Prince Charming. And I had a certain routine mm-hmm. um, at mm-hmm. Disney's Electrical Parade. And to be honest, I went through rehearsals. And you, you didn't even go through those rehearsals because you, you, you were doing something different in the parade. But you had paid such good attention to that role that you knew my part. And I get there and I pulled you aside and I was like, hey, bro, you're going to be close to me in the parade. I actually don't know my routine and I tried to figure it out. I'm just not good at this sort of thing. And you gave me literal hand signals for the entire parade and you were so good at it, doing it so like subtly that I actually followed your cues to a part you didn't do to you know, not fail and screw that up, which was a dream of mine to be able to get through a dance routine without messing it up, you know? And mm-hmm. I think it's so cool that you helped someone else's dream come true. I mean, you really did. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I remember getting to do that in the Christmas parade where they finally, I got to be 
Prince Charming in the Christmas Parade, which oh, was yeah. amazing. And I don't think I probably would have gotten there. Or there's a good chance if I hadn't been able to stand on that other float and do that. And so um, I owe that to you. And I think that's cool. And I think it's really neat that you picked that part out as a good thing that the uh, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether helped Prince Philip um, tackle his obstacles. Because I remember uh, a particular Flynn Rider and Prince Philip being on, on set together, uh, making fun of Prince Philip that he had a little help fighting at the dragons. <laughs> oh that night uh yeah yeah i remember that um yeah no and i and i was so proud of you too when you did it it was it was just thank you for for saying all of that that was so wonderful um and it's so nice to just hear because you don't when we're in that moment like you you're not thinking right. of that you're thinking of five, six, seven, eight, and one, and two, and three, and four, and get bow, bow, and tear us hiding in the bushes again. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you're not thinking of that. And uh, but now, when you hear it in hindsight, that that's that means so much, man. I'm so glad I could help. Um, but you're you're exactly right. It's it's just that you, it's those little things. It's the little things your friends do to lean on those those quiet conversations, those those fun funny moments, those you know little things that just get you through those Bramblewood forests or, you know, the dragon yeah. at the end. Um, yeah, I, I'm a huge advocate for that. And so many people think, oh, I got to do this all alone. And that's daunting to think of mm -hmm. to climbing, to climb a mountain. I have climbed Mount Fuji. It is hard. It, you think you want to quit. <laughs> right. It is so hard, but I did it with friends and I couldn't mm -hmm. even imagine doing it by myself. Mm -hmm. Each time, I've done it twice. I have to do it one more time for good luck. But like, <laughs> I it's it's super hard and it's really daunting and really exhausting yeah. to do. Mm -hmm. And if I was by myself, I probably would have quit. But mm -hmm. I did it with you know, one time with one of my best friends, and then the other time with my father. And it was having that other person there to lean on and to them to lean on you, and it just mm -hmm. gets you through. And so. You know, so many people see these hurdles as like solo adventures. I'm like, God, guys, this is a co-op and y'all need to walk <laughs> on at the same time. And don't worry, <laughs> everyone has their own skills that can get you through it. No, that's so true. Well, Brandon, speaking of amazing skills, which you have many of, where can people find out a little more about you and kind of see the amazing voice acting work you're doing and just follow along with you? Um, yeah, they can. Uh, my website is brandonhuntonline.com. Or they can follow me on Twitter at 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 Hunt Brand. Um, yeah, that's usually where I, I'm at. Um, but yeah, you can see all my work there, hear my stuff, see my everything. Well, thank you guys, everyone, so much for listening. This was the How to Fairy Tale podcast. Brandon Hunt it was amazing. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for coming thank on. You guys. Go check him out. Follow along with his adventures, um, and we will uh, see you next mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. Bye bye. You've been listening to How to Fairy Tale. You can find all our episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay up with our show, suggest a guest, or ask us a question, we'd love to hear from you at our Instagram handle, How to Fairy Tale. 